0: even like to be creepy now really no it, it freaks myself out <laughs> i'm
1: like i don't want blood on my face i know i usually just end up being something super dumb like i'll be a zombie and i'll just like, have bruises on my face and like dramatic makeup i'm like look at me
0: that's great <laughs> you did a skeleton though once. yeah i think that i'm gonna cool. be if
1: i can find the skeleton costume i don't remember where it is i might be that again you're like i'll just do it i know because i'm like todd we should dress up for your mom's halloween party he's like really i'm like fine i'll dress up <laughs> Fine. well because we had friends who were the couple from dodgeball like um, oh yeah one was like the ben stiller and one was the girl with the unibrow and the piggy tails it it was so funny i'm like let's be something funny because todd is like every stupid guy in every movie like that's the name of like the stupid guy like wedding crashers the brothers todd anyways so in Christmas vacation, are you familiar? Yeah. So the neighbor's name is Todd and, oh, and yes. they're wearing their sweatsuit and he's that like would be why is the carpet went Todd?
0: I don't know, Mark. I don't
1: know Mark. <laughs> I was like, we need to be them like in the sweatsuit. I
0: give everyone the suggestion of cone heads. Oh my gosh. Because do you remember Ashley Middlesworth who worked with us? Of course maybe <laughs> I don't actually so she was funny she said that her boyfriend was suggested she in hair or aesthetics she was at the front desk she might have been after you left yeah. no that sounds fam- I should know that but she said that like her boyfriend suggested it and she's like every girl at the party is going to be sexy and you want me to come It's like Conan <laughs> and I was like but how amazing would that be? Yeah, the coneheads like she has like her mouth on like the hose end of a vacuum, <laughs> like she's sucking it up. I, I hadn't even thought of that show in like a hundred oh, years, me either. I, I totally forgot I like, about it. Yes, that Please. that yes, I guess
1: we could both be something very non sexy. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> yes, because my little skeleton outfit—it's like a little short skirt, so I guess it's kind of sexy.
0: I mean, everybody loves bones,
1: am I right? Everyone loves a
0: good bone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That might be the name of this episode now. Everybody loves a good bone. Okay, oh my gosh, we're so bad at introducing the show. This is Gloom and Bloom Podcast. What
0: is is this? Where are
1: we? (laughs) Literally nobody would know because we never tell them. (laughs) Welcome to our episode. We're officially launched And hopefully we have a couple listeners that love this show.
0: We launched. It happened. And it was scary. And And we did it all wrong. And we're learning. We accidentally launched early because we were scared. But hey. The internet lied to us. Yeah. It said, hey, sucker, you're too late. (laughs) It's going to post in... A whole 24 hours. Yeah, it says it
1: could take up to 24 hours. And I'm like, shit, Taylor. I'm like, what's supposed to launch in like 12 hours. (laughs) So then I'm like, should I just post it now? And she said, yes. So I post it now in hopes that it will load at some point the next day. Because I told everyone 7 a.m. Yeah. Anyway, so then don't worry. It launched in like 30 minutes. Everyone's like, like,
0: (laughs) oh my gosh, your episodes are
1: out. So I'm like, you know what? That's a bonus to everybody who subscribed and did what we asked. Because now you get it early. If you didn't subscribe, you're a jerk. Now you have to listen Tomorrow. Now you have to listen later. Yeah. No real penalty, but hey, no, get it ahead of time.
0: It's still a real treat.
1: Uh, for some, I hope. For I told some.
0: all my friends. I was like, if
1: you love it, let me know. If you don't love it, then just maybe don't say anything. <laughs> so I'm like, I take your silence
0: as rejection. <laughs> so say something. I mean, it's not been that much time. No, I know. Taylor's like, all oh, my friends are texting me. I was like, well, none of mine are. They're like, we're dropping everything and listening. <laughs> What good friends you have? I really try. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's happening? Did you hear the big news? About Brian Laundry? No. Oh, I don't know. About Kanye's name change.
1: Oh, well, I heard it was just going by Ye. Is that it? Or yeah, is it Ye? something? Yeah. I, I, I Ye, assumed Ye? it was Yee. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Or like Yeezy or
1: something. Oh, yeah. Or Ye because Kanye.
0: Oh, maybe. But, you
1: know, Ye might be it. But I'm like. Up for interpretation, maybe. What a treat.
0: What a real treat.
1: So it's like officially that's his name. I guess so. He's like pulling a prince. <laughs>
0: but weirder. Well, yeah. I guess prince was. No, prince the was weirder. Like yeah. you can't even. He's like, what I'm you- symbol.
1: Yeah. What do you want us <laughs>
0: to call you? I guess. All right. Whatever. Kanye. Oh, gosh. But yeah. Oh. That's the big news I was talking about. <laughs> I know. Well,
1: I was talking about Brian Laundry. Apparently, they found remains near his campsite. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, but then
0: the FBI did the big, like... Oh, yeah. We're going to say something about it. What did they, they say? Like, they're like, we found human remains. And we're like, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we found them. And we didn't search there before because it was underwater at the time. Okay. That sounds convenient. But it also sounds really, like, weird that, like, they opened it back up to the public and the parents are like, oh, my gosh... We yeah. found his stuff. It sounds like they, they led authorities his right to it. favorite trail. Oh, why was this not talked about before? I know. I'm like, put them just straight to jail. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, I hope it's not him because I feel like her family, Gabby's family deserves some kind of closure or explanation. Yeah. Like they're never going to have closure, I guess. But they deserve an explanation. And if he just is already dead, then it just, what a well, freaking shit.
0: So disappointing when it's the pal guy. Oh yeah. Josh. And you're you know he did it. And you know we all know what happened, but we also want to know more. Know. Well, like there yeah. needs to be like, more Like where is
1: Susan's body? Yeah. Why did you decide to take your boys with you? Like just a huge disappointment.
0: You know what? I right, just
1: humanity, not into it. Ugh, I'm super not into humanity.
0: <laughs> not what? into the disgusting parts of humanity. No. But the good parts of humanity are that I went to Florida. That was amazing. That
1: was <laughs> yeah, so much fun. Yeah, it was fun. great. It was um, definitely a trip, not a vacation. I am still like, I feel like I have a trip hangover and I don't need to go to an amusement park for like three years. Oh, it was like, that. I wish that I could tally up how many minutes, <laughs> like that was a fun trip, but it was like so much waiting in line to get on the plane, in line to get off the plane, in line to get your rental car. Yeah. Like so, and then all the lines, it was just so much waiting
0: and your children are like, what "Are
1: we done with this?" Honestly, Millie was kind of a nightmare. Oh no. I was like, I wish we hadn't brought her cuz even at lagoon, she's only good for like three rides and then she just wants a treat she's done. and then she's good to go. Yeah. So she needed to be held a lot, but she sucked. But on the plane, I wanted to tell you. I was going to text you and then I was like, I guess I'll wait till I talk to you now. Um I started watching a show, yeah. Mayor of East Town.
0: Oh, did it you won watch it? all the awards. And I I, I haven't watched it though. Why. I know. So many people were like, watch it, and I never did. I have no joke. On HBO alone, mm-hmm. I have approximately a hundred shows that's HBO. on my like two watch list. Yeah. I have like that on there. I have The White Lotus. I have. What's the <laughs> one with Zendaya? <sighs> oh. It's like they're club kids or something. Yeah. I don't know. So I, that one. Uh, there's this like witchy one that looks really, we've started watching that one. Oh yeah. I can't even think of any of the names. I'm really helpful right now,
1: but <laughs> I have so interesting content many, <laughs> on my list. And like, I know
0: HBO really knows what they're doing, they really but,
1: are. um, that's the one with Kate Winslet yes. in it. Uh, you might remember her from Titanic. Ever heard of it?
0: If you haven't, it's on Netflix now.
1: She has like her American accent. I kept forgetting that she was British. It's so good. Oh, my God. And she's, like, a detective, and she just wears, like, no makeup. She gives no shits. It's oh so gosh. good. I have, like, of course, the plane – we have to get off the plane when I have, like, 30 minutes left in the very last
0: episode. Like, it's like, no. eight episodes. So, yeah, I still have to finish it. I haven't had time. But highly recommend. Ooh, I need to watch it. I did start watching you. Oh, yeah. Just one episode, though. That's all I had time for. And how was it? Live it was, up to your expectations? Yeah, I mean, he's – As creepy as ever. No surprise there. (laughs) Back creepier than ever. Yep. Uh, Speaking of creepy shows, though, Mm -hmm. uh, you and I were talking about the movie Tusk. Oh, yeah. I don't even know. Do you know which movie I'm talking about? No, I don't know.
1: You were like, it's terrible. And I was like,
0: why? (laughs) So... Christine sent me this video of lava, mm-hmm. and it was, like, this silvery molten lava, and the guy was, like, scooping it for some reason. Yeah, it was, like, it looked like it was on a beach or something, yeah. so. And she's like, this reminds me of whale blubber, and I was like, I don't like to think about sea animals anymore, <laughs> because Tusk is this horrifying, it's, like, supposed to be, like a, like, a scary comedy. Oh. It's got, like... Justin Long in it. It's got like Johnny Depp in it. Oh. And it's really weird. Justin Long's like a podcaster who travels up to, I want to say Canada or something. I could be totally wrong to interview this person who's like been in a wheelchair. Anyway, it doesn't work out. And so he's like, crap, I got to go back home. And he sees like a flyer at this diner or something. And it's like, I have so many interesting stories to tell. And was it from there. us? <laughs> right. <laughs> Did we put up that? It fire? was us. <laughs> so, it so many interesting stories. So he goes over there, and he, this guy tells him the story about a wall or a what's it a walrus or something that saved him oh. when he was like out at sea. And then he proceeds to turn Justin Long into a walrus by sewing human skins onto his body. Um. <laughs> it's the worst movie I've ever watched in my life. Johnny Depp was in it? Yes, it's is like it so old. No, it's like I'll look it up. But it is disgusting, and he's some sort of Good weird detective hell. in it. What? The images are the most disturbing things. I can't get them out of my head. So you're like no 2014. For me 2014. So oh my gosh. You know, a few years old. That's pretty recent. Oh, Haley Joel Osmond is in it. Oh. So random. What? Yeah. I hate it. Don't watch it. Okay. Well, <laughs> You'll never... that's an anti-recommendation yes, for you. Do not watch Tusk. But I had to like, because you were like, oh, yeah, is it weird? And I was like, no, you need to hear about this. It's <laughs> I'm so weird. I'm glad I didn't Google it. I'm glad <laughs> you told me about it instead. It's the weirdest.
1: Anyways. But, yeah. That's good. I didn't write down
0: anything else because I was busy this week. I mean, all I was going to say is that like britney murphy's documentary came out which i want yeah. to watch but i haven't watched it yet i know i've listened to so also many on HBO about it oh yeah on hbo yeah i would love to
1: watch that because i feel like her husband had to have something to do with it
0: i don't even know i don't, I don't know. even know very many details about it to be honest mm. so that's a good one that we should cover sometime yeah for sure do you know who's going first uh me oh I think. okay <sighs> are you ready I'm scared. We're jumping into it? Yes. Uh, this week, we're both telling murder stories. Yeah,
1: True Crime Central. It's spooky season. I got my spooky season it shirt on with is. my hang
0: loose skeleton hand. Oh, I love it. No bra. Sorry. So good. Sorry about it. <laughs> am I pointing at you? <laughs> um, I am telling a story that is very well known by okay. a lot of people, Um, but it is my favorite. Okay. I am telling the story... Of Robert Durst. <gasps> oh my gosh. AKA The Jinx. The Jinx. Everything that we know and love. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay, uh, so I picked this story because recently mm-hmm. he was convicted. So finally,
1: which I thought had already happened. Yeah. So I was like,
0: what? And if you're a true crime lover, you know this. If not. You're in for a treat because yeah, this story up. has it all. Yeah. It has everything you could dream of in a true crime story. It's so um, wild. So we're going to just start out with, uh, well, I'm going to tell my sources first because that's just easier to get it out of the way. Yes. Um, I got a lot of my stuff from Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, NPR article, uh, The Jinx. I rewatched the whole series. Oh, how, how many episodes is it? Six episodes. Okay. But I was like,
1: I just remember loving the intro music. Oh my gosh.
0: It's all so good. I, like as I'm watching it, and my husband watched it with me, we we're like, "How is this the best thing we've ever watched?" <laughs> it's so good. They did a good job. Um, and then a, a ABC News article by Megan Kennelly, Ben Kendia, mm-hmm. and Joshua Hoyos, <laughs> Jonah Long as well. It was a collaborative <laughs> yeah, project. That is
1: yeah. I love how unsure you were about every
0: name. I'm on. <laughs> it's hard you don't want to be a jerk well there's like one name that i'm for sure about like megan and then the last name i'm like kennelly (laughs) joshua you know what if they ever hear this they know we we tried i love you guys you You did a great job okay so robert durst yes big old d-bag big old d-bag sucks Oh, he was born on April 12th of 1943. He grew up in Scarsdale, New York. He's the son of a real estate ma- uh, magnate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has three siblings. Uh, his paternal grandfather emigrated from Austria, Hungary in 1902 and was a tailor at the time. But then he became a successful real estate uh, I don't even know what I wrote. Does it say mogul? No, it's like mahagir. <laughs> so
1: that sucks when you can't read your own handwriting. Because well, remi- remi- reminder, trait. Taylor handwrites her own notes. Yeah, because
0: I cannot. I, you know, it's just too hard. Anyway, <laughs> big real estate guy. Mahogany, <laughs> mahagir. Uh, he founded the Durst organization in 1927 um I'm sure I'm going to miss things in this and I'm probably gonna get things wrong I'm trying to recover there is so much in this I know yeah you're brave to take it on go I just went for it because I was like you know what why not so his mom died when he was seven years old she fell off the roof of their Scarsdale home uh, he claimed later that he, moments before she died, his dad walked him to a window where she he could see her standing on the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't say he saw her jump, but he like was waving at his mom. Like, yeah, they're like, say on hi to the mommy. Roof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So creepy. Um, but his brother claimed in like 2015, an interview in 2015, that that was not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, but how do you know? I know. Robert I mean- didn't say he walked both of you to the window. Yeah. You I, were a sleeping friend. I know. It's hard
1: to trust a murderer.
0: You're yeah. like, you're
1: an unreliable ni- narrator. Yeah. But, okay.
0: I Robert. Think, uh, I think Douglas's brother has a little more grounded. Yeah. I tend to agree background. with Douglas's in general. So. Yeah, exactly. So in 1953, a psychiatrist uh, report for 10-year-old Robert mentioned that he had personality decomposition um, what? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So de- decomposed personality? Yeah, so it's
0: a loss of healthy defense mechanisms in oh, response wow. to stress resulting in psychological imbalance. Damn. And possibly even schizophrenia.
1: Shoot, that's early because normally they can't tell schizophrenia until you're like
0: through adolescence. I think that's why it's like a possibility. Like, mm-hmm. uh, he seems a little unhinged. <sighs> even at age 10. Shoot. So in high school, he was described as a loner. He went to i want to say it's lee lehigh university okay i don't know l-e-h-i-g-h yeah i did yeah. lehigh and got a bachelor's degree in economics must be super fancy because they were like filthy rich right i know way way like way above wealthy. all the ivies even probably yeah <laughs> better than <laughs> yale <laughs> even Uh, he didn't want to work for his dad. And so he opened a health food store in Vermont in 1970. What a hippie. Yeah. Creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Would you join the rainbow people? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can't trust those guys. No. Uh, but he ended up closing it three years later after his dad convinced him to work for him. Mm. Um, but Robert didn't get appointed to take over his dad's company despite being the oldest due to his inappropriate conduct. Hey. Yeah instead his brother douglas took over and that just caused like a lot of sibling rivalry yeah yeah i get see that he was real ticked he sued his brother for his share and he was bought out of the family trust for 65 million dollars in 2006 they're like go away <laughs> yeah. at any cost yes so now we're getting to the real good stuff the real bad stuff <laughs> you know uh into the, into the thick of it. Oh my god. <laughs> that damn song. Good backyard agains. Get out of here. <laughs> um now we're heading to the first missing person in Robert's life, his wife, Kathleen McCormick-Durst. He met Kathleen in the fall of nineteen seventy-one. She was a dental hygienist. He invited her to live with him in Vermont after two dates. Red flags. Why? Mm-hmm. I don't trust anyone after two dates. No. I don't trust anyone after 20. I barely
1: trust you after a decade. Oh my gosh,
0: <laughs> I still have shifty eyes for you.
1: Yeah, you better keep an eye on me.
0: Yeah. I got absolutely. a
1: decomposing personality over here.
0: I didn't want to say anything, but I've noticed. <laughs> take a note. Um Yeah, so she but she moved in with him mm-hmm. in January of 1972 and they got married on his Birthday. Ew. April 12th, 1973. Hmm. His 30th birthday to be exact. That's gonna say. Yeah. She was studying to be a pediatrician and she was in her fourth year, just like a few months short of earning like her degree mm-hmm. when she disappeared. I don't think I remember that. Yeah. Real bummer. That is a bummer. She was like working hard, getting things done. Yeah, um, she was gonna do some really good things. Yeah. She was, the last time she was seen by someone other than Robert was on the evening of January 31st, 1982 at a dinner party thrown by her friend Gilberta, Gilber, Gilberta, Gilberta, I think it's Gilberta. Um, I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, I will never yeah, know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, her friend said that she was wearing red sweatpants and was, it was weird She doesn't usually dress like that, like Mm -hmm. at least to a party, Yeah, you know, and that she was like visibly upset. And so she got a call from Robert and she left for home in like for her house in South Salem, New York, because they had a couple of like properties. Yeah. Um, 65 mil, you can, you know, you can own a few homes, mm -hmm. your, you know, families in the real estate biz. Oh yeah. You're like, buy something here, buy something there. That'd be nice. Live the dream. Must be great. Right? To be a Durst. <sighs> or not. Yeah, or not. <laughs> Actually, I take it back. Take it back immediately. <laughs> uh, so Robert said that they did fight that night, but then he put her on a train to New York City and that he had a drink with a neighbor and talked to her on the phone at night at, when she got to their Manhattan apartment. Uh, later that night, he went home and went to sleep. Uh, Gilberta was supposed to meet up with Kathleen at a pub in Manhattan, but Kathleen never showed and she was worried. And she called the police for several days. Um, and later, like, a, Oh, a week later, Robert finally filed a missing persons report. See, She's like, uh, my friend hasn't showed up. I'm worried. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, it's been a week. I guess I'm a little bit worried about her. Yeah, that's a red flag. He's yeah. like, I'll move in
1: with her after two dates, but she's missing for a week. Seriously. <laughs> Such strange
0: timelines here. See, inconsistencies yeah. with this guy. Not good. So the doorman and the superintendent at the apartment said that they saw her on February 1st, the day after her friends saw her at the party. But then the doorman said that he only saw her from half a block away and from behind. So he's not he's not 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you nail that down, friend? From the Before back. you're like, hey, I for sure saw her. You're like, well, I saw someone who looked like her from yeah. half a block away from behind. And they're in New York currently. Yeah, There's exactly. many people who probably look similar. Absolutely. Um, and a PI said the doorman might have not even been working there at all that night. Great. Mm-hmm. Real solid Testimony yeah. here. Uh, three weeks later, her position, her possessions were found in the building's trash compactor. Huh. Yeah. Kathleen had been to the hospital for face bruises two weeks earlier and told a friend that Robert beat her, but she didn't press charges. Um, she had, before this fight, she had asked him for a divorce and asked for $250,000 in a divorce settlement. And he, Responded by canceling her credit card, and he removed her from the bank account and refused to pay her tuition. You know what? That's stupid, because he, like, getting off with $250,000, right? like, that's like... That's what I was thinking. That's like nothing. You have $65 million, yeah. and you're like, $250,000, get out of town. I know. It you're like blocked from everything. Yeah, he's just being a, like, you know, a dick. Oh, totally. So, he had been dating, apparently at the time, Prudence Farrow for three years when she disappeared. <laughs> And they were living separate. Um, he originally offered a reward of $100,000 to find her. Okay. So generous of him. Yeah. But then he dropped it to $15,000. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's red flag. So like, you know, like one-seventh of the original cost, give or take. Yeah. Um. And then when investigating, the police found his stories to not be consistent at all. Like, he'd be like, oh, well, this is what happened that night. And then the next day, it would be like oh, well, actually I called her at this place or actually I called her from a payphone. Yeah, and this is like the 70s, right? So it's probably really hard to track down like- Yeah. That
1: information. Totally. Well, and it's so frustrating because we were just talking about Josh Powell. Were we doing it when we were recording or before? I think before, Well, I think it was while we were recording. And I don't know. Either way, it's like so frustrating when you're like, I know it was you. Yeah. But there's you just can't prove it. Same like the brand laundry thing. Yeah.
0: It's just such a bummer because you're like- Oh, we have every piece of evidence like, in our minds, really, but yeah, we freaking know it. Nothing actually tangible. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, after eight years after she had disappeared, Robert divorced her hmm. for spousal abandonment. Oh
1: well, uh, okay. But I'm like, how long is it to be declared dead? Like, why didn't they
0: have her declared dead? Well, and so in the jinx, it's so crazy too, because like he keeps his cool so well. Yeah. Like he's being interviewed in this show and they're like, you know, did you have anything to do with your wife's death? And he's like, I don't even know if she's dead. Mm. Like he doesn't even think, say like, no, like that would be my first reaction is like, no, but he's like, I don't even know if she's dead. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, that's true because they never found a body. Right. So, yeah, he's like, can't prove shit. Yeah. So, we're on to the second person in this case. Real bummer Susan Berman, Robert's best friend. Mm. <laughs> what a treat. Um, she actually helped with his public alibi. And then she was a daughter of a reputable gangster, David Berman. He operated the Flamingo Hotel in Vegas in 1940. Uh, she was found murdered, execution style, so shot to the head Ugh. in her LA home mm. after uh, in December on December 24th,
1: 2000. Oh, Christmas Eve.
0: Yeah. Oh, and oh,
1: real bummer. Millennium was just getting
0: started, exactly, <laughs> and just kill shot. Ugh. Oh, not good. Uh her neighbors called the police after her terriers were loose in their in her backyard and the door was open. But hmm. I mean, I think he like offered her because like she was his alibi. Right. Like but it was like how him. many years later though? So I, I mean, mean, it's just like what? I don't even know. I he had, like, she knew something, though. Okay. I guess I just don't know the timeline. Sorry to put you I know, on the spot. I, but I'm, like, trying to think. Because I'm, like, by the no, time I we know. see him,
1: he's, like, an old man. Like, why all of a sudden be, like, you You know too much now. Yeah. It's
0: been years.
1: At least eight years.
0: Yeah. Oh, January 31st, 1982 is when she went missing. Okay. So, like, a long time. Yeah. 20 years? 30 yeah. years? <laughs> I can't even do that. Hang on. I'm going to Google 80, it. 90, 100. <laughs> 20 years. Oh, hang on. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Weird. Yeah. But so I think the reason is, though, is because the police had recently approached her because I think they were opening up the case again.
1: Oh, okay. That makes
0: and sense. so they're like, hey, we want to get some information from you. And so she like contacted Robert and was like, hey, the police want to talk to me. And he was like, well... Guess what, I have a surprise for you. Um, The Beverly Hills Police got a letter a few days after she was found dead, um, postmarked December 23rd, that had just her address in it and the word cadaver. Hmm. And on the envelope to the police, like the address, the word Beverly was misspelled on the envelope. That's right. Yeah, so it had Beverly spelt with an E-Y.
1: Yeah. Um, Which I feel like, cadaver is a weird word to use. So weird. <clears throat> I'm
0: like, I feel like that's maybe something somebody would, like a doctor would say. Well, and that's the thing that they were saying is that, like, it's super strange because most people would say, like, corpse mm-hmm. or dead body. Yeah. Or, but cadaver, that's not usually something you would use unless you were operating, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But
1: he's like so off. That, like, he probably thinks of dead people as cadavers. Well, and they
0: said that Kathleen used to talk about cadavers all the time because she would do that when practicing medical. Yeah. Yeah. Being a pediatrician. So that makes sense. So maybe he just had this weird word in his mind. It's like cadaver. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. But uh, Robert was in the area days before her death um but he flew from san francisco to new york the night before she was found so he was like more in northern california Mm -hmm. they couldn't ever really place him in southern california right yeah uh susan had received two fifty thousand dollar payments from him to uh in no she had received fifty thousand dollars from him in two payments Mm -hmm. recently so two Like $25,000 payments. Yeah. Um, And he told LAPD that he did send her $25,000, but then he declined all further questioning about the murder. What? You know, just declined. Was she hard up for money? Uh, No. I mean, her her dad was like this big gangster. But then, I mean, the thing that they thought maybe it could be was a mob style hit. Because uh, of her yeah. dad. Yeah. So they weren't like 100% that it could be Robert. Yeah. And I honestly don't think they were making these connections anyway.
1: Oh. Um, Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess, because it's like New York, California, they probably weren't so like- So far. They didn't
0: really know the case. Yeah. Um, and then his sister, Wendy, tipped him off that his wife's case had been reopened. And on October 31st, 2000, he went into hiding. Mm. And he moved to Galveston, Texas, and he disguised himself- <laughs> As a mute woman. I love this. <laughs> to avoid police inquiries. I've heard him described as like a really ugly woman. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, the weird thing is, is they asked him, did you buy a dress? He says, no, I just bought a wig. <laughs> That's all he thought about. He bought a wig and a woman's blouse and he just like walked around quiet and didn't do anything else. He's like "Well, yeah, looking he, like himself. He can't talk. He has like a very like. Very distinct. Yeah, voice. like froggy man voice. Yeah. And that's what he said. He said, I can't talk because I don't sound like a woman. Yeah. I can't so He's like, that. No, no, no. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to like get a mustache or like no.
1: do something to my physical appearance. He's like, I'll just be a woman. I'll
0: just be a woman. <laughs> what and a good idea. Just not talk. <laughs> just be silent. Which I always wonder, like, how do you approach that? Yeah. Like you go to move into this new apartment and you yep. just like walk up and you're like, like silent, yeah, and they're like, and you're like Hi. just pointing, and you're and like,
1: you're like making house over your head, <laughs> yeah, with, house. with like a question
0: look. He's like, you want to move here? Because it's silence,
1: like, mute. I'm like, okay, if you're gonna be mute, if you've been mute your whole
0: life, you'd probably know sign language, right? Yeah. So we're like, like I mean, but I guess I don't kind know. of know how to like at least communicate in some way right i wonder if he like writes stuff down like has a whiteboard with him or something yeah maybe i don't know i I thought that was really weird but then i feel like you can't like go up to a mute and be like why don't you know sign language yeah hey why aren't you talking to me i would just be annoyed yeah it's like explain
1: well it's just annoying because we know the truth but
0: well yeah and i think i would just be annoyed because like we said like i think a real mute person would have like some way of like trying to get their point across. Because, like, how frustrating would your life be if you have no way to communicate?
1: I don't know. He's
0: a fake mute. So that leads us to uh, Morris Black, which is his 71-year-old neighbor. Yeah. So in September 2001, a teen boy was fishing with his father in Galveston, Texas, when he discovered floating trash bags and... A limbless torso. I hate it. Bluh. No. So disgusting. And the worst part of this whole thing is when I was rewatching the Jinx, the guy who found the torso, or came out, the police guy who came out for the torso, he mm-hmm. said the only way he could get him out was mm-hmm. he had to reach down his throat and hook mm. onto his, like, rib cage Ugh. and pull him out. I That's, like, totally oh. the part that
1: sticks with me, too. Like, yes. I just... Do you have gloves on? How do you ever
0: can't no. recover? Like, even if I had gloves on, like you're feeling all the and mushy. It's, it's cold. Yeah. I'm not into it. <laughs> yeah. Shocking. First responders. Heroes. Heroes. That's um, so sad. Yeah. So the body wasn't identified by physical identification because it was chopped up. Right. And there was no head around. But there was a piece of newspaper that had a sticker with the delivery, with a delivery address inside one of the trash bags. Um, the head was never found. But I think it's really, I don't know. It's really weird because the head was missing, but his hands were still there. So they identified him via fingerprint. Yeah. I don't know. He
1: just didn't. Maybe it just like it was with it, but then it just got lost. Yeah. Know? Like
0: they just weren't able well, to recover it. I think there is a point there okay they do discover what happened to oh, the head okay so I remember uh, that i guess when they got to black's apartment he lived in the basement apartment of the house um so it was like a tenant who lived upstairs and then there were two apartments downstairs mm-hmm. so black lived in apartment one and in the other basement apartment apartment number two was an elderly woman named dorothy signer <laughs> the ugly mute who was a mute <laughs> <laughs> who was that you ask Hmm. Maybe a creep named Robert. Uh, I mean, it is a good disguise. Like who's going to find him? I just, well, that's the thing is like, he's at the very bottom of Texas. Yes.
1: Okay. But now I'm just, at, cause like we've talked about, he had $65 million. Why yeah. is he like living in
0: a basement apartment? Why doesn't he, I mean, honestly, why didn't he travel out of the country? Yeah. I don't know. I just, there's not a lot of thought behind anything he does. No, doesn't make sense. But um, as they were searching the communal trash there at the back of the building, they found a receipt from a local optician, uh, and the name on the receipt was Robert Durst. Shocking. Mm. Uh, The landlord had seen a man there, but he assumed that it was just Dorothy Siner's brother. Okay. You know. Like, he was the ugly man, looked like, (laughs) kind of like the ugly woman. It's like, I mean, they look similar, so it makes (laughs) sense. Uh nothing was in the apartment or nothing was in the apartment that pointed to a woman living there. Yeah. Like besides a wig. Just just a wig. One wig, no dresses,
1: no makeup. So
0: weird. Uh and then in the trash bags from oh, in the trash bags there was a receipt for like Chalmers hardware or like tags, mm-hmm. which was a hardware store that was just a few blocks away, two blocks away. And they had They knew what was bought there. It was a four-inch paring knife, a bow saw, and drop cloth that was all bought there. Sounds like serial killer kit to me, right? So they went to the eye clinic where this receipt was from, and they were like, "Give us a call if Robert comes in." Mm -hmm. So they called him up, and the police were like rushing over as soon as Durst was like leaving. Yeah. From picking up his eyeglasses. And they caught him and pulled him over. And in the back seat was a bow saw. Oh, man. Yeah. So they brought him in on October 9th, 2001. Oh, and then they said that uh, they dismembered, he dismembered Black in his kitchen. Disgusting. Like they like found cut marks on the ground. He yeah. didn't really hide anything. Mm-mm. Not good at this. Um, the bond was placed at 12. And Mm -hmm. the detective asked him, you know, do you have $250,000? And Robert just was like, not on me. (laughs) Which is like kind of baller. Just so (laughs) casual. Like, I mean, I do, but just not right now. It's just not with me. I didn't bring my gold bars with me. Yeah, he's like, I don't know how to get it. Do I just like uh, call up someone, (laughs) some service to bring me my, my cash? I don't know. I wrote, this shithead knows how to keep his cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he makes me sound seriously. Mad. Yeah. Uh and then he got out on bail mm-hmm. and he ran. Cause he's like, I mean, yeah, obviously, like, hey, I'm caught. Yeah. I'm gonna run. I'm super guilty. And so he ran, but he was caught shoplifting a six dollar chicken <laughs> salad sandwich. Which I remember that and I have so many questions. Like Why? A, yeah,
1: I'm like Again, you have so much money. <laughs> I just don't understand. I mean, he's like got some mental like, illness. Mental I wonder if he's like a klepto and never got caught and like I don't Or people know. are like, Did he want to get caught? Like what? But that's what people were saying. Yeah, people were saying he was like being so weird. Yeah. Like in the video, like the what's
0: it called? Yeah, he also security like, camera. Took one band aid because he had a cut on his lip. He's like, like one band aid. You're going to put a band aid on your lip? Yeah. How do you do that? Robert. <laughs> You're just very <laughs> casual like, band aid.
1: Sticking, putting, <laughs> trying to put
0: it like in his lip. How about liquid band aid next time, yeah. Bob? How about it? Goodness. Um,. But yeah, he had shaved his whole head and eyebrows trying to disguise himself. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is the guy was like, did you mean to shave your eyebrows? He's like, how does someone shave their eyebrows on accident? Of course I shave my eyebrows on purpose. Which I was like, I mean, fair. I don't know. I've seen people do it on accident, like on TikTok. Like
1: they're trying to wax their eyebrow and they're just, just like gone.
0: Well, I feel like that's a little bit different than <laughs> yeah. like... Because they're actually trying to do something with their eyebrow. But like, (laughs) well, you're like buzzing your head and you're like, oh no, (laughs) clipped my brow. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. See, he's smart. Oh, man. So yeah, in 2003, uh, Robert went to trial for Morris Black's death. Um, In the trial, he became, oh, he said he became friends with Morris Black and he told him that he didn't want to be himself. So he basically kind of like... Gave up his disguise and was like, mm-hmm. you know, I just didn't want to be myself. And he said that Morris was like, oh, yeah, like I've I've been there before, Mm-hmm. pal. <laughs> Trying to be a, f- a friend. Yeah. Uh, he said that Morris was mad about receiving an eviction notice, and he had shot the notice, like in his apartment. He had like hung it up and shot at it because he was mm-hmm. so mad about good, it. Good, Good thinking. And so then Robert was like, you got to leave. You got to get out of here. I don't want to be involved with you if you're gonna like shoot eviction notices and stuff
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's where i draw the line that's too much but you know what maybe he was like if they if police come here they're gonna figure me out
0: yeah so then a few days later he came home and the tv was on in his apartment and morris was sitting in his apartment in his recliner chair and he had a gun this is all his story yes unreliable yeah storyteller here uh he was sitting in his chair, He came home, and he tried to get the gun from him. And as they fell in the struggle of trying to receive the gun, like, no, let me take that gun from you. <laughs> uh, the gun went off and it hit Morris conveniently of in course. the head. Yeah, because that's always how it happens. Yeah. And so that's why they said they think that he got rid of the head is because oh. if he was shot in the back of the head, mm-hmm. then yeah, it would have no- been like... Uh, yeah, how did you fall and, like, shoot him in the back of the head? Similar to, like, Susan Berman.
1: Oh, yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Uh, he said that he just, like, once that happened, he had to cut up his body because he didn't want prosecutors to believe, or he knew that, like, prosecutors would not believe him when he found out. Right. He was Bob. (laughs) He said... Uh, he dismembered him Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to, yeah, he didn't want to call the police. He didn't want the police to be like, oh yeah, that was a total accident. And the, the prosecutor's like, you don't dismember someone in (laughs) self-defense, you weirdo. (laughs) Yeah. Just saying, uh.
1: And he's like, you don't dismember them on accident, just like you don't shave your eyebrows on accident. Am I right, Bob?
0: Right? (laughs) Oh, whoops, I slipped with a bow saw, chopped his arm off. Yeah, it's got
1: to be real difficult to saw someone up.
0: Real tricky. So he claimed that he couldn't call. No one would believe him. Um, So he went and bought a bow saw. Trash bags and he dismembered him and he dumped him in the bay. His uh, so all of his body parts were in trash bags except for his torso he put in a suitcase. Okay, I don't know why, you know, gross. I mean, why waste a good suitcase? But apparently, the suitcase unzipped and yeah, let loose a loose torso. But basically, through this whole trial, the prosecution failed to prove without a reasonable doubt that it was. Anything other than self-defense.
1: Wow. That's wild. And
0: since Texas is like a huge pro, like you can defend yourself in your own home state. uh uh-huh. They're like, well, he was in his house and, you know, he felt threatened. So, you know, he did what he had to do. Yeah. And we can't prove otherwise. It's that thing. Like we were saying, you know, just everything. You'd look at like the dismemberment and you'd be like, he's a nut job. Like, of course he killed him. But- There's nothing, like, tangible to Uh prove that he actually did it on purpose. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. So, that leads us to Mr. Andrew Jarecki. He's the one that is making the jinx. Mm -hmm. Um, Robert had actually contacted him after um, he did a movie called All Good Things. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. It's a movie with Ryan Gosling and Kristen Dunst. Oh. And um, it's actually the story of Robert Durst and Kathleen. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing about it. And so he contacted him and was like, I want to, like, tell my own story. Yeah. And so Andrew's like, great. Well, I'm making this documentary. How about you, like, be involved? And Mm so Andrew's, like, interviewing him about this case because Durst got off and he's been, like, living his life for many years at this point. And... He was talking about how he didn't always tell the whole truth during the trial. Oh, way to just like. What? Way to just like throw that out there. And his lawyers kept like advising him like, don't don't go along well, with this interview. I guess he's like, I already got off like double jeopardy. They can't. Exactly. I think that's what mm-hmm. he was thinking. And he says he didn't ever lie. Um, that he just like didn't tell the whole truth. Like if they weren't like asking a specific question, he wasn't gonna like bring something up. Yeah. And so during that interview, Andrew's like, all right, let's take a break from this interview. And (laughs) this idiot's mic is still on. Mm -hmm. And you just catch him saying like mumbling him to himself. And this is an actual quote. I did not knowingly purposefully lie. He's, like, coaching himself. Oh, yeah. He's, like, talking to himself. Like, yeah. This is
1: what you say.
0: Yeah. And so his lawyer comes over and is, like, hey, bro, your mic's on. Like, mm. we can hear everything you're saying. Hot mic. Uh, please do please not like, speak. Shut your hole. Close it. Yeah. So while the documentary was being made, a box of Susan's stuff was found. Now we're getting to the good stuff here. Mm. Uh A box of Susan's stuff was found. Um, I want to say it was by, like. Someone who considered Susan to be, like, a mother figure. I couldn't figure out his name. I probably could have, but I didn't take the time to do it. Okay. Real quality here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But inside, there was a letter from Bob, and it was the exact same handwriting as the letter to the police that said Beverly Hills. Uh I
1: feel like I want to say it was a nephew
0: of hers or something. Yeah. I think it was a nephew, but they, like, really looked up to her, and they were super close to her. Mm Um. So the same handwriting and the same misspelling of Beverly with the e y. Um, They took that to a handwriting analysis analyst. 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 Uh, So they brought it in, and then they brought him in for a second interview uh, to show him, like, hey, like we found this, and like get like a real raw reaction out of him and take him by surprise. Um, But like Bob kept like making it super difficult. Mm He would be like. Oh, I'm going to Madrid. Mm. But then they'd find out he like wasn't in Madrid, uh-huh. And then he would like start oh, getting that real shifty. really work for me. And then he was like, actually, I'm not really that interested in this documentary anymore. Mm. And so he kind of like wrote this guy like Andrew off and was like, "I'm not gonna participate in this anymore." And then he was arrested in New York. Because his brother put a protection order against him, and he broke it by going up to, like, his doorstep and looking at some of, like, the mail on his doorstep. What
1: the freak.
0: Yeah. And so Bob, like, panics and calls Andrew Jarecki and tells him about his arrest because he's like, the police are probably going to contact you. Oh. And so now uh, Andrew feels like he kind of has some, like, leverage over him. And finally Bob says he was ready to be filmed and interviewed uh so their plan going in was like to ask some questions so they brought him in they asked him some questions like mm-hmm. hey we're just gonna like go over some like pictures and some stuff that you know we some things we've seen before and there's also some like letters in here so they asked him some questions went over some pictures And then they like brought out the letter that was in the envelope, which I think this is genius Mm because they're like, oh, what is this letterhead from? He's like, oh, that's from my business this year. And they're like, what is this letter about? Because he was congratulating Susan on something. Uh And he's, I don't know, maybe I was congratulating her on some new venture she was doing or like, but yeah, you wrote this like probably like a few years before she died or something. He's like, yeah. And then they showed him the envelope that it came in. Oh, this was like their whole point of uh, this whole interview. They were yes. like... Yes. They and had so, to play it so cool. So cool. I don't even know how they did it. And it was crazy, too, because he was all... I feel like I've kind of humanized him a little bit because I had to. Mm-hmm. But now going into this, like, I'm a little bit scared.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah. Because like, he's, he's a with killer. Him? Yeah. yeah.
0: Like three times over. Three times. So... It was interesting because they show him the letter, the envelope, and Bob himself points out that the Beverly is spelled wrong. Yeah, he, he points it out. He's like, uh, 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 Beverly, Beverly is spelled wrong. And then they pull out the cadaver note Ugh. and ask him about it. And Bob says, yeah, the writing looks the same and it has the same misspelling. He's like, shit. <laughs> uh, oh, damn it. So Andrew asked if he wrote the cadaver note, and he said no, but he did write the other one. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, can?" Then he like has two up close of the like Beverly, and he's like, "Which one of these did you write?" Then he's like, "I don't know." (laughs) And the whole time he's like playing with his hair, he's burping, he's like frazzled. Oh, the burping, the burping, he's burping like crazy. Um, and then which is like, what is that? like you
1: you got the sneezes (laughs) little
0: sneeze there uh so then after that you know andrew didn't like push further he just was like thank you for coming in bob great and so bob was like i'm gonna go to the bathroom but he never took off his mic Uh uh-huh and this was so funny because he's been warned about this before yes so he goes into the bathroom and I wrote down they, like, everything he quoted
1: because it's so good. <laughs> Which they, they kind of were hoping this would happen because it happened before, right? Yeah. I don't okay. know if
0: they thought it would happen, but mm-hmm. they were like definitely hoping to have some sort of like reaction from him. And then they right. went into the bathroom. I think they didn't think they'd get as good of a oh, I'm sure. spiel as they did. But he goes into the bathroom and he says, There it is. You're caught. You're right, of course, but you can't imagine. Arrest him i don't know what's in the house these are like you know kind oh, yeah of split it's up. like in between breaths you can hear him yeah. he's like touching his face like oh no yeah, Kill- he's like there it is you're caught and he's like washing his hands he's like you're right of course but you can't imagine arrest him he says i don't know what's in the house and then he says what a disaster and then he says he was right i was wrong And he says, I'm having trouble answering the questions. What the hell did I do? Killed them all, of course. Gosh. Like, you can't write. You can't write it better than that. No. And that's why I love this so much is because it's just like wrapped up so clean and nice. Yeah, and he did it himself. Yes. And it's it's almost even better than a confession. Mm
1: -hmm. Because he
0: didn't. Want to confess, yeah, it wasn't he willing. had maintained such a cool demeanor this whole time, he'd even gotten away with one of the murders completely. Oh, yeah, and then by his own dumb assery, <laughs> he freaking outs himself. Which, like, we're glad, but definitely,
1: yeah, see, like, he's so smart and cunning, but he's also an absolute idiot,
0: yes. It's just like I don't I don't understand him. It's so satisfying for someone who like wants these people to be caught, you know. So Durst was arrested by FBI on March fourteenth, two thousand fifteen. He was hiding out in a New Orleans hotel um, on the night of the airing of the final episode. Oh no! Yeah, that's the night they got him. Yeah, like how freaking
1: cinematic
0: is that? Like. It's airing. He's getting arrested. So great. Um, He was hoping for a repeat acquittal like he did in Texas. So Mm -hmm. he thought he would testify again. Yeah. Like tell his like real tragic story of how this all happened. Um, But it backfired. Yeah. Because he was forced to admit that he lied under oath and his credibility was destroyed. And then on September 17th, 2001, um, well, I also wrote the beginning of this, which I kind of skipped over because, you know. It kind of more belonged at the end, but, um, his trial actually began in March, 2020, but then the pandemic caused the trial to be adjourned for 14 days and later resumed May, 2021. Um, and then in September 17th, 2021, the jury convicted Durst for the first degree murder of Susan Berman. And I think they could only convict Mm -hmm. him on her because Mm -hmm. the body. Yeah. They don't have a body for Kathleen, even though he's Essentially confessed to it, yeah. Um, and then and it's on October so sad, at this point, they probably won't find it. So sad, yeah. And then on October fourteenth, two thousand one, he was sentenced to life in prison uh, without possibility of parole. And then he requested a new trial, but was denied by the court in view of abundance of evidence against him.
1: Yeah, and they're like, "Buddy, no."
0: My goodness. But I guess it's his right to request an appeal, but right but i'm so happy they're like uh you're an idiot. they're no, like get out no, of here. Absolutely not. Cuz he's getting old. He is getting old. Huh. I think he's like in his 80s or something. Yeah. I could be totally wrong, but Yeah,
1: no, he looks he looked old.
0: It's just wow. the most satisfying story. I know. And since he like the trial was recent and then the fact that they like I know, that him, was good news. I was like I got to I got to retell the story because i feel like sometimes I'm always like, I want to hear that story again.
1: I know. I love, I love rehearing certain stories over and over <sighs> again. And you did a good job because that's thank like, you. it is so much. There is a ton. Yeah. They like, made like, like, how many crazy. episodes did you say? That's like six, six, six hours at least yes. condensed down into like, we're at an hour, but still.
0: Oh my gosh. You did good. I had to shove it all in there.
1: <laughs> I know. You did a great
0: job. Well, that's such you. a good story. Thank you.
1: I kind of forgot about him until he recently was
0: uh whatever. I yeah. want to say
1: diagnosed, convicted, yeah. but I'm like. What? I already thought he was. Yeah. Okay. Now it's my turn. You're up. Uh, okay. Okay, so since it is spooky season, I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll do that haunted, like, have you heard about, like, the haunted house chainsaw murders? Like, No. Well, I heard about it, and then I was, like, researching it, Googling it, and I was having a hard time finding stuff, and it turns out it was, like, a hoax and it never happened. What? <laughs> it's like a, I hate when that you know, happens. It was, like, an urban tale of, like, don't go to a haunted house. Somebody really no. might kill you. So, that is like, mean, my
0: worst nightmare, though.
1: Oh, I know. That's why I was like, I'm going to find it. But then it, it, all the crimes I could find were of haunted houses were like groping
0: and oh. like sexual assault. So I was like, that's a freaking bummer. I get really nervous of haunted houses cause I'm like, that'd be the perfect place. Oh, my gosh. I know. The it perfect place. really would. Place.
1: Really would so. Um, so then I was like, what's scarier than that? Oh, I know. Real life. <laughs> Real life. <laughs> so I wanted to find an awesome survivor story. Um. I found this one and it, like, blew me away that I'd never heard it before. Oh, Because um, I love when, like, Crimes are committed against people, and like then we're learning what they actually deal with when they survive, and then this lady made some good come out of it. Um, so, like I said, I'd never heard this story before, so I read a couple articles, and then I searched her name and podcast to see if anything would pop up, and I found nothing. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. You're the first. So
1: I, I mean, to my knowledge, I, I might be the first. I don't want to say it definitively, but... you might have found a real gem. I know. And there was literally only three articles about her. So
0: crazy. I know.
1: So um, this is the story of Donna Ongsiakop. And I looked so hard to try to find a pronunciation of her name and I couldn't find one. That's so hard. I know. So Donna Ongsiakop. If I'm saying it wrong, I'm so sorry. Okay. so my sources are an article by Grit and Soul, an article by tapinto.com and an article from Community Magazine, New Jersey. And they pretty much were all a mishmash of the same information. Oh, but- man. Okay. So Donna lived in Monmouth County in New Jersey her entire life. Her daughter Kirsten was born the day after she turned 20. She was young, single and unprepared, but she had a great support system with her family. And she thinks being born into a large extended family and having all that love, it was reflected in her daughter's personality and her spirit as she grew up. And she like the way she talks about her daughter is so sweet
0: because it was just the two
1: of them. So over the years, Donna had a career in the marine fuel brokerage industry and it had taken her all over Europe. She had so many amazing experiences. She got to meet lots of interesting people, see cool places and do exciting things.
0: Marine fuel brokerage. I know.
1: I was like, wow. That's an interesting
0: job. I know.
1: It doesn't say like what she did, but it just says that was her industry. Wow. I know. So at the end of 2012, with much heartache, And I want to guess that maybe she lost her job or a relationship like it gave no context. So I'm just guessing Um, she found herself on a new path and a new life at 40 years old. She was totally starting over. She was a really spiritual person. And so she had a lot of faith that everything would work out. So um, with her daughter and her cat, she moved to a charming old farmhouse in Colts Neck, New Jersey. It was set on a flower farm. It was rustic, bare bones living, and she loved it. Ooh. Yes. This is like the beginning of a horror story where everything's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But life was never the same after one night in July in 2013. So here we go. Oh, no. Um, This was a very hot night. The East Coast was having like a gnarly heat wave, and she did not have air conditioning in her house. So the windows were open to let in cooler air through the screens she got ready for bed <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> like choking
0: please don't choke please don't die on our podcast yeah. that would be that would be good the content
1: <laughs> then you like, have to cover guys my
0: death. we have a solid <laughs> news story <laughs> you're like you heard it here first a choking
1: <laughs> yes um okay Uh, the screens were open. She got ready for bed and started to drift off to sleep when she heard some scratching at the back door thinking she had heard her cat scratching to be let back in. She went and opened the door to find a man with a knife in his hand. He was cutting a hole in the screen. They startled each other and he could have run away, but instead he charged in and she tried to push him back, but her hands were cut. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He continued to slash at her, cutting her face and stabbing her chest. No. Oh, by the way, warnings is pretty graphic. But I mean, it's a true crime podcast. So what did you expect? If you're not prepped, I don't don't know. I mean, you went from
0: Furby to this. So (laughs) it's pretty dramatic. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I went from all innocent to this. So just I'm glad we slicing. had a good time with Furby because... Now we're getting face and chest slicings. Yes, yeah,
1: that was the the bloom. This is the gloom. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So he was cutting her face, stabbing her chest, doing the best she could to apply pressure to her wounds. Blood just poured out of her. She was terrified, confused, and could not process what was happening because it was like so quick. Yeah. And aggressive. And she like had no warning. So she made it to the, the door of the bathroom, like leading up against it because she knew that she probably was going to lose consciousness. Um, her legs gave out and she fell to the floor. He watched her struggle and he came at her again. She tried to escape, but she was on the floor bleeding and like c- couldn't go anywhere. Oh my gosh. The slashing continued to her face, the, her chest and neck and the side and back of her neck. Um, while this was happening, she could taste and feel and smell the blood like Ugh, coming out of her. That sounds so awful. I know. So he walked away into the kitchen table as she lay there in shock and bleeding to death for the first time he spoke to her, asking her for her car keys. She spoke back to him that she couldn't die like this. She says, I have a daughter, my key- and she needs me. My daughters are, I mean, sorry, my keys are on my purse. Take them. Okay, so he took the keys and again, he could have left, but he didn't. Instead, he came back to where she lay. He told her that she was a dead bitch and he plunged the knife into her chest, (gasps) pulled it out, and then walked out the door. No! I know. Ugh! (laughs) I'm so stressed out. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, but she she couldn't bear the thought of her daughter finding her like this dead and bloody this way so she managed to get up the stairs to her phone um she had long hair and it was heavy and soaking wet with blood was her daughter in the house no her daughter wasn't
0: home oh my gosh but she knew she would come
1: she'd come back at some point yeah um she found her phone but there was so much blood like pouring out of her that she couldn't dial because of the touch screen was too wet with blood no but she somehow wiped it off enough and got through to nine one one. And she remembered telling herself to speak clearly and calmly so that they would know where to find her body. She was like, "That's oh, there's- amazing." Yeah, she's like, "There's no way I'm living." Um, when I listened to her, like she's giving her impact statement to like a group of people, I was just like so sick. I would be like,
0: oh, oh, man. like hysterical know. on the phone. <laughs> I know,
1: but I feel like when that happens, you probably go into some state of shock where you're like fight or flight and she totally. was like fight.
0: Wow, like, that's incredible. To stay alive.
1: Okay, so sometimes when we like watch, we leave a certain movie or we binge a series, it can have like a lasting impact on us that really sticks with us and maybe it changes us. Our behavior, our thinking, our view on certain topics, um, that is what Donna Ongseko real that's her real life nonfiction the story seems to do that's what this story seems to do to everyone who hears it um anyone who reads her impact statement it's haunting and it's unbelievable wow Um, she had just shared a fun few days enjoying the 4th of July holiday with her family and friends. The evening was winding down on July 6th when Donna was preparing to go to bed in the safety of her own home. And at the hands of a stranger, she suffered a beautiful, a beautiful, oh my gosh, a brutal,
0: not a beautiful,
1: (laughs) not, not pretty in any way, a brutal stabbing attack. He stabbed her multiple times, like we said, um, and he left her to die. He walked over her calling her a dead bitch. I don't know why I wrote all of this twice. Sorry. I just really need you to know it. I mean, it's horrible. (laughs) Seared into your brain yet. Um, He took her car and went off into the night after seven long hours of surgery. And according to reports given to Donna, there was doubt from many that she was going to make it. She survived and was on life support. Um, Donna, Donna comments. Uh, I remember waking up in the hospital in absolute disbelief. I was fortunate to have some of the best trauma doctors in the country that were at the hospital when the ambulance arrived. They eliminated some of the scarring that would have been on the front center of my neck. They, um, had to repair internal injuries from all my wounds and chest area. She has a continuing scar going from her chest down to the bottom of her sternum. Um, she suffered nerve damage on one side of her body cause he stabbed her like right in the back of the neck. Oh my Nip. gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, causing her left side to have permanent damage. She had surgery to repair a drooping eyelid, but there's no surgery to repair the nerve damage. So she woke up scarred forever. She said, looking at my face for this first time would be something she'll never forget. She was horrified. She had stitches and staples in her face from the front of her neck down to her her chest, down to her abdomen. Um, her left arm was just flailing at the time, and she had a droopy eye, and physically she, and mentally, she was broken. I uh, have, yeah.
0: I have a picture. Oh, my gosh. I just feel like this the- is why... When I listen to these things, I'm like, okay, what would I do in this situation? I know. What is going to happen? Because nobody ever thinks they're going to be in that situation. No, you don't expect it. So now you have to be prepared for all the situation. Okay. So here's what she looked like. Oh my gosh, no. I know. And we'll post this. That is brutal. I know. (gasps) Yeah. Ah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, she just has like terrible she looks like train tracks all the way down her sternum wow okay she was mentally broken um for donna was the beginning of a very long road um she was living with post-traumatic stress disorder ptsd she had anxiety depression she was living in fear every moment Um, in addition to that the person that did this was still out there somewhere No, Um, no. She's like, he could come back and finish me off. Her car was found and taken into evidence. Her house was a crime scene that she would never,
0: ever live in again. Yeah. I was like, I would never live there Mm -mm. ever.
1: Nope. Um, Eventually the attacker was caught three months after the attack. He was turned in by an extended family member. He was only 16 at the time. (gasps) No. Yeah. How did they find out? literally okay hang on i'll am get to it oh my okay, gosh donna like, how i know <laughs> no. donna also won a civil right a civil i can't talk not a civil rights trial a civil trial against her attacker and his father for hiding the whereabouts of his son oh uh, like freaking laundries we yeah. were just talking about Um, but I seriously had a hell of a time trying to find any information about this kid. They didn't mention him in any of the articles. I had to like, he's a minor. Yeah, exactly. I had to like Google the date of the crime and the city. And it was like a whole lot of sleuthing. I was kind of proud of myself that I found it. I'm impressed. Um, his name is Brennan Doyle. And this is what his lawyer said about him. He was a regular young man who, on the night in question, took too many hallucinogenic mushrooms. Um, I also read that he had a fight with his dad and that he started waving a knife around that he'd pulled out of like their knife block. Um, so his dad locked him out of the house. And then he wandered down on foot
0: to the house down Holy. the street, which was Donna's. Which I'm like, why didn't the dad call someone? Holy shit. His dad's like, quit flailing that he's knife like around, son. Go outside with it, and who know, knows what's gonna happen. He's like, son, you're gonna have to go outside. You can't calm down. He's just <laughs> you're like gonna have to flail that li-
1: knife somewhere else. I know. Just today. released him out into the street. So then, yeah, oh he walked gosh. down to to Donna's. So frustrating. Um. So he went in for treatment for drug use in hopes that it would look like he could be rehabilitated. But the prosecutor assistant, Larry um, Gerhart, the director of the prosecutor's office family division, argued that Doyle, who was tried as an adult, obviously, um, he had a history of narcotics and mental health issues and violence, and he should serve all 15 years of his recommended sentence
0: um doyle who was 16 had 15 years recommended sentence Mm -hmm. that doesn't seem long enough but i also like what a bummer i know that he's having so many issues i know which
1: i'm confused because he was tried
0: as an adult i guess
1: attempted murder they don't get the same sentence as murder which i mean maybe i think they should yeah um okay sorry um, he was 16 at the time. He was charged with attempted murder, carjacking, unlawful possession of a weapon with the 10-inch knife he took from his knife block and possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose on October 13th, um, I think 2013 as well. Uh, he pled guilty uh, to the most severe charges in August 2015, the weapon possession charges as well as the juvenile charge. Uh, he they were dismissed like the other were dismissed because of the plea agreement but like screw that kid we're not gonna talk about him anymore this is donna's story oh
0: my gosh
1: i know he sucks um donna remembers waking up in the hospital in absolute disbelief and the rancid smell of the blood in her in her hair um she was in a lot of pain but she said the smell was worse oh I know Uh, she had some of the best trauma doctors in the country and they took the three slashes on the side of her neck and pulled them together, sewing them all together. Like I showed you. So she just has one scar instead of like a brush. I know they had to crack open her sternum to repair internal injuries from the stabbing. Okay. I survived the injuries to my face, my face, neck and chest and torso. They were extensive. I lost over 50% of my blood and the injuries to my psyche were unmeasurable. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but I'm sure you do. After I had Kate, I almost bled to death at my home. Yes. I lost oh 50% gosh. of my blood.
0: 50%? I mean, I wasn't
1: stabbed or anything, but I will say. But
0: that's a lot of blood. It's gone. a
1: lot. I mean, I saw how much blood was coming out of me. It was insane. Poor I was mind. having postpartum hemorrhaging. And um, I will say that bleeding to death is actually more painful than you think. Yeah. It was just I can like, only so bizarre. Yeah. It was a whole thing. Um, she never went back to the house where she was attacked. Um, her family and friends arranged for movers to pack up her home and put it all in storage. Essentially, she was homeless and she was immediately hit with moving expenses and storage expenses. Oh my gosh. Her stolen car was taken into evidence- but she couldn't access the car, so she, but she was still responsible for the car payments and worse though the car was stolen that's messed up yeah and then it had been found so she couldn't even claim it as a stolen car so like if you claim it is stolen, you don't have to pay the payments but since it was found so fast
0: oh my God I know
1: um she needed a car and was not in a position to go out and get another one her with her insurance policy it did not include rental so she had no choice but to rent a car out of pocket, which was another expense a
0: which pig listen up asshats i know you're paying
1: my damn car <laughs> i know so i i just felt like this was a really good story because you don't hear like what survivors actually go through like Seriously. you know like oh it must have been so hard but it's like no it's financially hard it's mentally hard it's physically hard you're going through all these things at the same exact time exactly so as the shock and the reality of what had happened started to surface she found herself trying to mad uh navigate her life with ptsd um she could see the horror and sadness on her loved one's faces fear she was dealing with on a scale from one to ten was five thousand she couldn't feel safe she was attacked in her own home she said if i am not safe there where am i safe um she could not release the fear it there was a poison that started saturating every cell in her body and she assumed that eventually it would be more than her physical body could handle and that she would implode and just die Oh my God. She said, My brain felt frozen with fear and sadness. I was uncomfortable in my own skin. I could no longer recognize my own reflection. I couldn't stand looking in the mirror. I was physically, emotionally, and financially devastated.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I know. Although I was surrounded by my family and friends, I was so alone. Okay, so she was out of work for three months for her body to heal. Um, there is no prescribed time to deal with the mental and emotional wounds, so the best way she can describe it is to imagine being bitten by a poisonous snake, but the um, not the snake bite that kills you, it's the venom. The venom was PTSD. She felt like she was losing her mind, and she was so fortunate to have a family that could take it, her in after the attack. Um, family and friends jumped in time and time again, but once her physical injuries were healed, she was on her own. Um, she said, "I tried to imagine what other people in my situation would have done. I was suffering and struggling, and I knew that I was so I was so much more fortunate than a lot of people who have um, been crime victims. Um, the desire to speak with others who had gone through what I was going." Ex- What I was experiencing was so strong, I wanted to understand how they managed and how I could begin to heal. So she searched for support groups of people who experienced violent crime, PTSD, and trauma in New Jersey, and she found a large network of victims of domestic violence, veterans with PTSD, and specific trauma-related services, but nothing for surviving victims of random acts of violence, non-combat-related PTSD. Wow. I know. So she knew that she couldn't be the only one struggling to manage with the aftermath of a crime and she felt compelled to reach out to others. So she was um, not the only person in New Jersey who had been stabbed, experienced a home invasion or a crime victim. Um, Unfortunately, there's a lot of victim blaming and stigma associated with PTSD. So it keeps a lot of victims from reaching out. So Mm -hmm. yeah, they're just told to get over it, move on with your life and be grateful I survived. She said that was devastating to hear. Um, what she experienced was not something that she was going to get up, wipe the blood off and resume her life. Yeah. Yeah. So PTSD was prominent in every moment of her new life. She researched the crap out of, um, victims of PTSD and how to better help understand what she was feeling and what to do about it. So she was determined to get the information in the hands of other survivors of violent crimes. She said, I was telling myself that if I just help one person and spell them spare them one tiny bit of struggle, it's all worthwhile. Like what a heart of gold. Yeah, she's incredible. She's a badass. Yeah. Um, she said she wanted to start a peer group and she ended up self-funding the uh and the creation of a website, resource material packets, and marketing materials. This was the beginning of her nonprofit, which is Survivors of Violent Crimes. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, She's partnering with two other survivors, and the goal is to be in a place to bring other, bring together other survivors of violent crime groups and educate and empower them um, this is also a resource and advocate for raising awareness of victims of non combat PT, combat PTSD. Um, as survivors, we know that we need to break through the aftermath, uh, and harness life with PTSD. For me, it was. I have not had the opportunity to properly deal with the psychological trauma. I was forced to get back to work and get on with life. Wow. Although I have not been able to return to my pre-attack schedule. If I don't go to work, I can't pay my bills and I'm forced to just grin and bear it. It was unacceptable to exhibit PTSD at work. I was, it was over for everyone else and I was expected for it to be over for me. That was and is still in so, is so damaging. I'm like getting so tongue-tied. I just, just want to do a good horrific. job here. I know. I felt like it was important for us to tell the story. Yeah. So, furbies to this. Yes, absolutely. Okay. As our organization um, evolves, I'm quoting her, um, we plan to offer financial assistance as well as painfully learning through my experience many expenses related to the aftermath of a crime are not covered by insurance. She was not able to cover... On her own, they um, she plans to help survivors rebuild their lives when there is no financial option. Um, Their focus is on ensuring surviving victims that they will have the resources to deal with their emotional health, time to reestablish their sense of self, their safety, their comfort and time to try different healing modalities, Um, time to try different relaxation therapies to prepare and eat healing, nourishing meals, um, time to exercise, time to just be. Okay, when criminals are sentenced, they are hit with a fine, and that money goes to um, Victims of Crime Compensation Organization. Its um, the acronym is VCCO, which covers any crime-related injuries, repair, relocation, doctor's co-pays, prescription, but the victim is capped out at $25,000, uh-huh. which... When you're dealing with medical expenses is not much. That's nothing. It's not going to go far. Yeah. Because um, like, for instance, my dad was in the hospital for a month. And if like with COVID relief and everything, my mom didn't end up having to pay. But his expenses were almost at a million dollars. That's
0: insane. Yeah. So
1: it it just adds up so it's fast. so messed up. So Donna's surgeries were covered mainly under her employer's insurance. But the repair to her eye was a battle to have covered because it was considered plastic surgery. Um, eventually, the doctor lowering the price and finally the VCOO, VCCO agreeing that it was a necessary surgery, the VCCO paid for it. So that was a win. Um, currently, Donna is near her cap and innocent victims should not have to struggle to pay for treatments. Cause seriously, she's no. like out of nowhere. Some guy literally ruined my life, and she I'm was financially responsible. Living in
0: her home,
1: yes. Going to bed, yeah. It's like innocent victims should not be on the hook. No. Um. So she needs ongoing therapies for PTSD, and soon her VCCO contribution will be maxed out. So they are, are covering therapy too, but they're almost, I guess, not going to do that anymore. She says there are no benefits to cover my treatments, and it is not the way it should be. No. Um, Donna, when speaking during normal conversation, she often seems really sad. However, when she talks about the first responders on the scene after her attack, Officer Tom Ward, for instance, her face just lights up when she speaks about her victim's advocate assigned to her case. Um, Nancy Frankie is her name. Her face just lights up. Donna credits a large part of her ability to function to Nancy Frankie. She's the director of victim wellness unit in Monmouth County. Um, this says Nancy Frankie has helped me so much since she was assigned to my case. I would have never made it through without Nancy. She is someone I feel has helped me more than anyone in my journey to heal and to help others. I've never thought about victims. Oh, this is me talking now. <laughs> oh. It says I've never thought about victims advocates. Like I didn't realize that was a job. I was yeah. like, holy cow, that is so important. We need to like throw a parade for them. Oh, totally. I know. I was like, is that oh, a job or is it a volunteer? Cause well, I kind of want to so be a
0: volunteer. I I've talked to you about this before, but I actually have a friend um who he started a non Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to pull it up cuz he is Yeah, incredible. he helped us out
1: with our equipment.
0: Yeah, he was super helpful. But he started a non-profit called Utah Homicide Survivors and he actually does a really cool podcast called um Utah Ho- or Utah Survivors podcast. Mm-hmm. And I really love his podcast because it's so different from all the other true crime podcasts because oh. we're out here telling stories of horrific things that are happening and he's out there giving people resources. of Yeah. Well, and doesn't he interview the victims? Yeah. He interviews like, uh, so survivors, some in the sense of like families that mm-hmm. have survived losing a loved one. Oh. Um, some people are survivors themselves. That's heavy. But then he also interviews people to get like, them like the resources and the help that they need because there's not a lot of that out there. It's kind of like a big gap in the true crime industry. Mm-hmm. And it's really incredible. So I mean if you're interested in something like that too, check that out because Yeah. Especially if you're from Utah, it's like in our own backyard. Yeah, so- absolutely. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Anytime you can be, I mean, that's an incredible job. I can't I even
1: know. imagine. I know. I was like, yeah, it's so good for people who don't have a support system. Like, can you imagine if you didn't have family or friends and you're like a victim of a horrific crime? You need like someone.
0: And you're like, I don't know where to go for help. I don't know.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad that the those symptom systems like that are in place. Totally. Okay. Sorry. Back to the story. Um, Donna is part of her mission to help others. She now assists Nancy, Nancy in presentations to cadet classes, speaking about the victim's perspective and how important first responders are. Um, I believe she says, "I believe Tom Ford, the Colts Neck police officer, um, and other officers and first aid responders saved my life, along with the surgeons, of course." Said Donna. Um, the way Tom cradled my head and the first aid that was administered to, to me kept me alive until the doctors could take over. Speaking to the cadets and telling my story in detail gives them insight from, the, from a victim's perspective and lets them know that they the vital role they play in saving lives. Um, so I actually did a uh, post about this a long time ago. Like I just said, when I had my hemorrhaging thing at home, yeah. an ambulance had to be called and they came and they were, it was like a group of five men. I'm literally, okay. TMI. I'm sitting on the toilet, like bleeding, like so to heavy. Death. Yeah. Passing clots. I had been unconscious. I woke up. I like threw up all over myself while I was unconscious. It was a whole thing. Anyway, so I'm sitting there on the toilet, literally just like almost naked and it was like a group of five men. They walked in and just tried. They made me so comfortable. I They came they were like helping me be so comfortable on the way to the ambulance and like cracking jokes with me, making me relax, whatever. And then poof, they're just gone. And I didn't even get to thank them. It all happened so fast. So then I was at the gym and there I live by a firehouse and the firefighters are always at the gym working out and they like have their fire shirts on and they have like their whatever, like radios. And I finally went up to one and I know he wasn't even with the people that helped me but anyways i was like i feel like i need to thank you because i didn't get to thank the people and like your job what you do oh it's beautiful anyway it was awkward but i did it they see
0: people at their absolute worst (laughs) exactly just pick up the pieces and run
1: yeah and they do it so beautiful. In addition to the cadet classes, Donna visits state prisons, speaking to groups of inmates, showing them and explaining to them from a victim's perspective, the destruction caused by senseless. I've watched grown men, hardened criminals brought to tears after hearing my victim impact statement and seeing the pictures of my wounds, which I showed you, which yeah. were horrifying. I know my talks are changing the pattern of thinking. Donna also speaks to criminal justice classes at colleges explaining that victims perspective and the vital role they play in the justice justice services. We're almost done. Um, Donna also won a civil trial against her attacker and his father for hiding the whereabouts of his son. Um, Donna has never been paid one dime of what the judge ordered, awarded her in this civil suit from the father. What? I know money that was, he was ordered to pay her attacker will have a chance to pay it upon his release, which I doubt she'll ever see. A yeah, I no, I know. I feel like civil suits like that, it's just always a formality. Yeah. Like, I just don't... I don't feel like I've ever heard somebody be like, and I won the civil suit and then I got paid. Totally. Um, It felt so good when the judge validated my feelings that I had been violated. You can't put a price on physical and mental scarring. My prescription for time off after the attack was three months, but the physical wounds... For the physical wounds to heal, um, what... I would like to be awarded the opportunity to step back and take a mental break, Um, but the civil suit could afford me.
0: Yeah, yeah. To literally dig into everything she's been. Through. I know
1: because I I didn't mention it, but I know she's been to so much therapy. Like yeah. she didn't talk much about it, but I know she did. But she stood. It still like wasn't it wasn't it. It wasn't helping her that much. Yeah. Um, since the attack, the uh, psychological healing has to happen when I could fit it in, um, collecting on the civil, uh, award could afford me the opportunity to take time off work, to explore different treatment modalities. Um, she would like to create the opportunity to focus and heal on both her and her daughter and rebuild my, rebuild my life, um, my comfort, my safety and financial burden. It just falls on me for the rest of my life. Um, her nonprofit survivors of violent crimes Donna's contact information um, we'll put it in the show notes if you want to check it out um, was she, she's been giving it to like victims of crimes uh, she wants to help them on their journey. part of Donna's mission is also to raise awareness of PTSD
0: yeah
1: and then her website is Victors and that is the survival story of Donna. Unsiaco. Wow. Oh yeah, and then I was going to show you what she looks so like now. She's incredible. a beautiful lady.
0: Wow. I just yeah. I've never heard. I mean, you just don't get to hear yeah all that. Stuff. Well, because you
1: hear they survived. Yay. Oh, she's beautiful. Gosh.
0: She is.
1: Yeah, she has like amazing, beautiful, healthy-looking hair.
0: And she's trying to help other people's he- other people heal while she heals. Which exactly. Is well, because she's like nobody was there to help me.
1: Um, like look at her scar though. It healed really well. That's impressive. I know. It looks great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, on that to bummer. Um, any funny stories to tell? I have no funny stories this week. Yeah, damn it. Um, yeah, we haven't gotten any emails yet because we're just launching. So. Yes. So
0: hopefully soon we'll have some good <gasps> enders. Ooh, I
1: have some good news. <gasps> you do? Well, we just received a thousand downloads. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting there, guys. I know. Yes. We launch in the morning, so...
0: Please uh, review us.
1: Yes, review us. We have some reviews where people are rating us five stars, but they're not leaving a review. Please Which, leave a review. I mean, five stars? Thank you. We'll We'd take love it all day. We'd to
0: hear your positive feedback.
1: Yes, we would. <laughs> yeah. We would not like to hear any negative feedback.
0: <laughs> if it's negative move on
1: but i mean <laughs> if we uh need to be corrected about some information we're open to that email us let us yes. know because yes. i'm Shoot sure we we'll get things wrong oh probably most things uh but i tried my hardest to tell donna's story well and you did a great job at roasting durst so oh, i think you. we killed it this week awesome um okay if you want to email us our email is
0: gloom and bloom podcast at gmail.com yep uh, Feel free to look us up on Instagram mm-hmm. at Gloom and Bloom Podcast. Yes. You can follow each of us
1: individually. We're tagged in the bio of our Instagram page, but Made I'm Christine Allen.
0: at Taylor A. Freeman.
1: Yeah. Your real name's Ashley, right?
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I just know everything about you. You know my whole life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being here and for all your support we've been getting this week. Yes. It's
0: felt we're so We're nice. so
1: excited. I know. So pumped because me and Taylor keep texting each other about like, we can't believe how much we love doing this. We
0: love this. We
1: have loved doing it when nobody even has been listening. Yes. So now that we're going to have listeners, hopefully creating a little community for ourselves. we have to think of a name. I know. Are we bloomers? Are we gloomers? Are we baby gloomers? Baby bloomers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bloomy Bloomy. (laughs) I don't know.
1: I don't hate it.
0: You let us know.
1: If you have something clever for us, why don't you tell us? Why don't you do some of the work?
0: Yeah. We put a lot of work in.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We can't possibly think of a name. We're
0: mentally drained at
1: this point, but in the best way. I know. This has been a process, but it's been amazing. We've loved it. Yes. Okay. Thank you for listening.
0: We'll see you next time.
1: We'll see you next week. Goodbye.